Hey, this is our podcast. It's a literature circle. We have different books, and we're just going to be talking about them throughout these podcasts. I'm Bridget. Um, hi, I'm Stacia. I'll be talking about Salt to the Sea. Um, I'm Jada. I'm talking about The Devil's Arithmetic. And there's two people that are currently not here with us. They are Corey and Emma, and they're both reading different books. Emma's reading um, Between Shades of Grey. I believe that Corey is also reading A Devil's Arithmetic, but as we said, he is not here today. They will be back on halfway through the podcast. Yeah, he'll, they'll probably be here in episode two. Hi guys, uh, today we're doing a literature circle podcast assignment number one, and we're going to start off by talking about each of our three books. Um, there's Salt to the Sea, The Devil's Arithmetic, and Between Shades of Grey, so we're going to start talking about our books. Um, I'd just like to mention that Between Shades of Grey and Salt to the Sea are have the same author, so I think one of the things that'd be nice to discuss is the simulator similarities between the two because I've read both I've read that book and from what I've seen she has a very similar writing style. Um, would any of y'all like to win on Devil's Arithmetic? Um, yes, I'll start. So for some of the author's word choice, um, we tried to connect it to what certain words created different moods. And so the main part of this book, since we're still in the beginning, was on chapter two, and we chose page nine. And on this page, it's mostly talking about how Hannah um, remembers how her grandfather would jump up at the TV and start raising his fist whenever anything about the concentration camps came up. And so she talks about how fascinated she was. Um, And from the book, it says the five-digit number on his arm had fascinated her. And so we talked about just with that one sentence that shows moods of she was, she had this, like this idolism and this favor and this longing for him or to be seen as, as that. And so she talked about how she um, wrote numbers randomly on her skin. And she said that she wrote it hard enough to almost break the skin. And so that's kind of like her trying to get there, trying to impress him and have him feel proud of her. And so then we talked about how it was, she said it was like a stain. And so, um, that's referring to the numbers that she wrote. And then the uncomprehendingly is how he looked at her. So he kind of had like this blank, blank expression. And then he jerked her up and just started screaming and yelling. And he was so upset. And so that caused the moods of surprise and fear and suspense. And so she felt this anger and confusion because she didn't know what was wrong. And so he just has, she uses a very great word choice on this page to describe all these different moods that are being represented here. And also going along with that, it, it shows the confusement there. But when we read later on in the book, we see her really starting to understand why that would make him angry. Because when 
Yes, when and he gets when she gets sent to the concentration camp, she she gets the number put on her arm. And that okay, and so this number that we're referring to, that's actually when you would go into the jo- concentration camps and you were a Jew, they would give you a number instead of a name. And so you had to remember your number. And that's the number that was on her grandfather's arm that made him so mad because that was his memory of the concentration camp. So she didn't know that. So she just thought she'd copy it. And, but this does give a lot of different moods just in one page. And it continues on for a little bit. And she talks about how confused she was because she still didn't know what it meant. Nobody had ever bothered to bring it up because of the incident. Um, okay, so now for my book, I'm reading Between Shades of Grey. A word choice that like really stuck out to me um, was when... Um, this this lady named Ona, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, when she was like clawing at one of the people, uh, like one of the leaders of the Soviet Union, um, they shot her. It said that they shot her in the head, but like I feel like if they would have just said that they like shot her, that wouldn't have like made it like more emotional. Like I feel like since they like added more detail. That like made it like have more mood to it and stuff, and that's really all that down for that. And so, and I've read this book previously, the book that um, Emma is reading, and I get what she's saying about that because I feel like if they wouldn't have used, if they wouldn't have used much context and these were choices that it would have just kind of went by as like, oh, there's one person in the story dead. So it's, it really layers on to how crucial these times were and what this, what this really means at this point, because it's, it's a very sad subject. And so that's, that kind of plays along with it. I've also read this that book, and the one I'm reading now, the Salt to the Sea, is by that same author. This author, um, I find, has a very well good way of telling stories to make them to make you feel something. She's a very emotional author, and yes. you could tell She's, that she puts it into her. Work. Yeah, she is very descriptive, and she really knows how to describe. Like in my book, the word choice she uses is in this one scene, this blind girl named Ingrid goes out on the ice as they're trying to cross it to get away from harm. And she goes out onto the ice and because she is blind, she has better senses than most. And when this happens, at first she's like, oh yeah, it's safe, but then bombs and stuff come. And this whole scene just erupts and you can just see the emotion. For example, when Ingrid goes under the water because she drowns, it says, I look out towards the dark watery hole. And this just gives that the scene just an edge that it needed and it just makes the whole thing like 10 times better in another she just says her fingers softly slowly curled and disappeared beneath the ice that is a very good imagery piece it's like it's giving up it's kind of like the world's faded because there's not much detail in there it's, it's like, like the world just faded yeah it's like that, that ray moment. of hope is just dead it's just dead when yeah. something when an author like that does something it just makes you feel like it makes you feel like you're really there yes 
Okay, so yeah. So um, I'm reading the Devils of Arithmetic, and what's going on in the book is this girl. She goes through a after trying to find. And she got transported to a different world. And, uh, she's now dealing with the whole world, I believe. It's technically the whole summary of the book. Uh, the entity's name is Elijah, I think. Elijah. Uh, I, I believe it's part of the Hebrew religion. Uh, so. Yeah. I'm a Jewish, Jewish, uh, Yeah. Okay, and so, so after she goes through this kind of like portal almost, she she's in this house and um evidently she learns that she was sick up until then and her parents had ended up dying and i can't remember what the sickness was from but she ends up it was some kind of fever but she ends up like not having her memory because she she obviously wasn't there she's it's not really her um and so she's trying to learn all this stuff and it's like as she learns more and as time goes on she forgets her past in in the real world so um going along with what jada said with the word choice um one of the parts in the book was when they were getting out of the cars, uh, the, the train cars, um, there was dead bodies left in in the train cars. And the author doesn't say much about it. It's just, the, the they say the guards just say, let them be, leave them alone. And then they have to continue on with getting them to go into the actual camps. And it's, it's like the author hints so much right there but like like at the same time he doesn't say much at all and so it's like he's saying a million words with just like a few paragraphs mm -hmm. so at that point it's kind of like she's starting to see they're all starting to see that this is not good and so <clears throat> it's more or less like she understands what's going on because she's from I guess you could say the future almost and so this is not her real time so she knows that this is part of the holocaust and that they're probably going to die they're going to be killed if that and so she's trying to tell everyone this and because she remembers all this stuff from her future and she's told all these like stories and stuff people they're all thinking that it's fake that she's just trying to tell like fairy tales and so they're telling her to stop like it's not the time and she's trying to tell that this is really what's going to happen and they're all trying to like force because she, because they are religious and because she is a Jew they're trying to force this religion upon her like no none of that is true God is with us he's 
and he is, but it's more or less like they're saying we'll be all right as long as we continue to be Jews. And she's trying to tell them that the fact that we are Jews, that's why we're going to die here. And they're not believing her because the whole reason that they're being put through all this is because of their religion. And yeah, they and don't she's, understand yeah, and she's trying to tell them that. And they're like, no, we have to. We have to continue with our religion to be able to be saved. And she's like, you can't, you can't escape this. You can't. It's not going to work this time. So, I just think that's kind of goes along with like the anger and the confusion. She's trying to figure out how to explain this to these people, but they don't understand it. So. All right. oh, we are adding one more person to our group. Um, her name is Alexis. She will be talking about wheat flour. Take it away. Uh, um, so the team I chose, it's um, uh, uh, it's her um, main character's grandfather. Since well, this is during like the Japanese determined stuff. It's like right before it happened. So then, then like her um. There were people knocking on the door, but they didn't answer it. Um, how about you talk about the author's word choice and how that uh, yeah. Uh, um, she, uh, she uses Japanese sometimes. Like, they use the Japanese word for, um, like, shame and... I mean, they course, Japanese clothing. And stuff. So um, just like Japanese traditions and stuff. And stuff. Like, yeah. They, okay. They uh, does she use like tone words to like? The How does story? she describe scenes? Like, is there a lot of imagery? Is she very descriptive. She's kind of weird. She kind of leads it up to like. It's not really vague, but I mean, like, she's just telling what needs to be Right. So, so she there's tells, more like, of borderline and leads you to yeah. decipher the rest. Okay. Like, we don't okay. really know what the main character looks like. We just know that she's Japanese American. So, not much imagery, just okay. yeah. leads the imagination. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, thank you, Alexis. And that has been our segment for today. Um, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye for now. Yep.